Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of And Finally with me, <clears throat> Sam Vader, where this week uh, we're going to be talking about someone quite prominent in history, especially American history, black history in particular as well, and that is of course Rosa Parks. Now this is uh, because, obviously, this month has been Black History Month, something which I suppose we sort of skipped over, unfortunately, on the show uh, so far, mainly because for the life of me, I can't tell you what day it is anymore. Or what month, it wasn't until I was reminded yesterday what date it was, I realised that today of recording, which is a Tuesday, is actually my dad's birthday. Um, I don't know when my dad's birthday is, I just didn't know what day or month it was, I was like, oh shit, okay, sorry. So, yeah, I, I don't know what day it is anymore, so it did sort of slip the mind, but I'm here now, uh, trying my best to uh, get out a message, and that obviously goes hand in hand with, the, of course, the normal Black Lives Matter message which is of course we still stand with it and we still heavily support it and we think you should too and if you don't you're wrong um and there are ways you can go and support it you can go to places like www.blacklivesmatter.com where you can find out ways to support monetarily non-monetarily and just educate yourself on the situation and things that you can do in everyday life to help out the situation but there are many other things you can do like join the conversation on social media by using things like hashtag Black Lives Matter or hashtag BLM to keep the conversation going, keep it relevant, keep it in the media and make sure the situation is still having the correct attention brought to it even in these uh, times when there is a lot going on. This is still one of the very prevalent issues that should be at the forefront up there with children starving and so many other cases that I'm campaigning and petitioning for week by week on each of my podcasts, which isn't a complaint. I love standing up for uh, the right things. It's quite a good thing to do, I think. But obviously, as it is Black History Month as well, I think it's a very important time to educate yourself on that history because it's not always taught in school. I was fortunate in school. I was taught about the uh, Montgomery uh, boycott and the civil rights movement. I was fortunate that was something my teachers chose for the syllabus. But not everyone is, and it's something we should educate ourselves. You know, every day, every month, we learn all cultures of history. That's something I believe. That's sort of the point of this show, to teach you history from all around the world um, and not neglect it. And that's why <clears throat> you can go to places like uh, blackhistorymonth.com, and there are so many other websites you can look for online. And that's why this episode might seem actually a bit light content-wise. Now, this was done in a very particular way that I was thinking, look, I will outline her life and some of the story but in regard this week in particular I'd like for you guys to maybe show as I'm giving you homework now and essentially it is what I'm doing um but I feel like to fully engage with this topic I mean I implore you every week to go and do your own research if you're interested but this week in particular to celebrate Black History Month I implore you after listening to this to go and find out more about her life yourself because there's a lot that she did a lot that she was involved in um more than I could probably do in one actual podcast episode. So I've done sort of a podcast light episode, I suppose, which might still be longer than some of the other ones I've done, uh, with the intention that, you know, you guys really engage with this and go and find out more yourself and educate yourself and then hopefully educate other people by keeping the conversation going. But that's enough of a monologue, prologue, prefix out of the way. Let's, uh, I suppose, getting to the main crux of the episode. So Rosa Parks was actually born... Rosa Louise McCauley in uh, Tuskegee, Alabama. Tuskegee? Tusk Tuskegee. I don't know how to pronounce that. It's an American place. Alabama, deep south. Uh, on February the 4th, 1913. Uh, and this was to Leona, a teacher, and James McCauley, a carpenter. Um, but actually, in addition to her, obviously, African ancestry, one of Park's great-grandfathers 
was actually Scotch-Irish, and one of her great-grandmothers was part Native American, or a Native American slave. So she had quite a rich cultural history. She wasn't just uh, African-American. Um, obviously, that's because of the colour of her skin. That is what she was typecast as. But she has quite a rich history. Um, Native Americans and other people that were sadly oppressed. Um, but actually, with the, when she was born, especially as a small child, she was a very poorly child, a uh, very ill health and actually regularly suffered with chronic tonsillitis. Um, but later on down the line, her parents eventually separated and she moved with her mother to Pine Level, just outside the state capital in Montgomery. Uh, she grew up on a farm with her maternal grandparents, her mother and her younger brother, brother, brother Sylvester. And she attended like regular rural schools until the age of 11, uh, by regular, segregated, but just, you know, regular elementary school is that what americans call it i don't know primary school sorry i'm going to be taking a drink in this one i've got a bit of a sore throat at the moment so excuse me for one moment it's my high quality hdo um it was around the turn of the 20th century uh, this is going back a bit now obviously um that the former confederate states had actually adopted new constitutions and electoral laws that effectively defranchised black voters in alabama and uh, also many poor white voters as well. So basically what he's saying is at the start of the 20th century, so early 1900s, uh, there were laws put into place in the state of Alabama that meant uh, black people and poor white people, uh, they weren't allowed to vote, they weren't allowed to say, or, you know, they had to follow the laws, but they weren't allowed to vote on them. Um, you know, that's fair. This is early America. I mean, not to comment too much on it because I've been doing that a lot recently. America isn't land of the free anyway, and this just proves it. But it was around this time as well, this is where it gets incredibly relevant, that bus and train companies enforce seating policies with separate sections for blacks and whites. Something that uh, would be a problem a bit down the line. Uh, school bus transportation was actually unavailable in any form for school children in the South. Uh, and obviously their education was underfunded and this led to a, a, a part was actually recalling that um, she'd when she was walking to school she'd see all the white children go past in school buses as she was forced to walk to school not that i think walking to school is that awful but you knowing that you don't even have a choice um when they're just getting the transport and obviously on public transport there was the fabulous segregation i think black people had to sit in the back um and yeah you had to give up your seats and all that all that jazz um which i say we'll get to in a bit um, weirdly enough, her autobiography uh, actually recounts some of her earlier memories and she actually said that not all white people were that bad. Um, like some of them, she recalls some of them being very nice to her and very kind to her, adults and children alike. Uh, and not people she knew, like strangers being nice to her. So it wasn't all bad. She, she will admit that it wasn't every white person was evil, this, that and the other. But obviously it was just the vast majority, mainly the people in charge and it's almost like trends repeat themselves and the whole point of this show is to learn from that mm, remember to vote guys if you're in america remember to vote and i mean not that there is a right choice but there's a lesser of two evils for definite um but yeah regardless of some of the white people being nice to her she did recount even as a child it was very hard to ignore the blatant racism of society and she recalls one particular day when uh, members of the Ku Klux Klan actually marched down the street in front of their house. And she actually uh, remembers her grandfather apparently guarding the front door 
uh, with a shotgun just in case any of them uh, try to attack the inhabitants of the house. Which, I mean, is a very... It's a terrifying thing to think about, really. I mean, very reminiscent of things that would be happening in Germany, what, 30 years later. Um, I was about to say different people, but the blacks were segregated there as well. And it's... Yeah, history does repeat itself at the worst of times. And we're getting it again now with the whole uh, oppression. And it, it's terrifying. Yes, maybe the Ku Klux Klan aren't marching as publicly anymore. But at the same time, it's not. It's not good. Um, but, well, anyway. Um, moving on. But whilst she, she was repeatedly bullied, obviously, by white children in her neighbourhood. Because whilst there were some good ones, the vast majority bowed to the systematic racism put in place. So yeah, she was bullied. However, she, she had a habit of fighting back. Like, actually fighting back. And a quote from her actually says, the start quote, As far back as I remember, I could never think in terms of accepting physical abuse without some form of retaliation if possible. End quote. So, she was a very feisty young woman. And this, um, this will be emphasised in her later life of some points that I did, I have jotted down for some of the stuff I'm going to talk about. Um, yeah, she, she, yeah, obviously she wanted peace, but she was willing to, to fight and get aggressive, I suppose, against her aggressors, you know, and that's an admirable trait, but it's what brings her into, so disagreeance with one big figure later and into agreeance with another. Um, skipping ahead a bit now to uh, 1932, this is where Rosa married uh, Raymond Parks, a barber from Montgomery. Um, it was around this time that Rosa actually took numerous jobs, ranging from a domestic worker to a hospital aide. So she was always to and from work, but never, never really out of work. Um, and uh, yeah, in the 1940s, though, her and her husband were actually members of uh, the League of Women Voters, and this was trying to obviously get women the vote in general, as well as black people in general. I think there was more leniency around this point, giving black people the vote, but women definitely still didn't. Um, especially black women. So they were starting to get involved in this and it was actually in the December of 1943 that Parks officially became an active member in the civil rights movement. Um, and she'd do things like this and she'd... Um, she worked as a secretary originally in there and that's not what she wanted to do but it's all she sort of, sort of had and she worked on numerous cases including one of, I think, a young woman who was uh, sexually assaulted by a group of men. Um, and she worked on the case of trying to get justice for the, these people. But, so, you know, she was always fighting for justice and inequality and was a brilliant, brilliant woman. Um, no fault on her whatsoever there. Uh, sometime soon, though, in 1944, she actually had a brief job at Maxwell Air Force Base, uh, where actually the segregation wasn't as bad because it was a federal site, so it wasn't as much a thing as it is in the wider world, you know, showing that not everywhere or everyone was was evil. I don't, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but in 1945, actually, despite the Jim Crow laws and discrimination by registrars, registrars, I think that's what it said, registrars, I don't, I don't know, the people who let you register to vote, she actually succeeded in registering, registering to vote that year. Um, it was She had to try three times, but she did manage to get uh, permission to vote. Uh, around that point but now we jump to the 1950s where we get to her most famous moment 
and it was obviously after working all day, uh, Parks actually boarded a Cleveland Avenue bus around 6pm. Uh, it was a Thursday, December the 1st, 1955, and this was in downtown Montgomery. And the driver of this bus was actually a driver that years before, when she tried to sit down on the bus there as well, uh, he basically kicked her off the bus and left her in the soaking rain and just drove off because she got on the white entrance. He was like, no, you've got to go in via the black entrance. She put up a bit of a fight. Uh, he was like, no, you, you've got to do it this way. She was like, fine, whatever. So she got off, walked around, and uh, but before she could get on again, this, this bus driver drove off. So she'd had an altercation with this bus driver before. Uh, but this time she paid her fare and sat in an empty seat in the first row of the back seats reserved for the uh, in the coloured section, as it was referred to. Um, but obviously they then went a few more stops and the white section filled up and there were some white passengers who were left standing. So the bus driver was like, well, we're not having this. White people can't stand, apparently. So he went down and he asked the people in the row with her to, to, to get up, give up their seats. He moved the uh, coloured sign back. So that row was now for the uh, white citizens as well. The other three people got up and they just moved and stood up. Rosa Parks stood up and moved, but not out of the chair. She just went and took the window seat that was now vacant after one of the other uh, people had moved, uh, which that's a power move if I ever saw one. But yeah, she sat on the window seat and she didn't, she was not happy with having to move. Uh, but obviously, unfortunately, uh, the police were called and yeah, she, on refusing to move, the police officer arrested her. This is what I find interesting though, this next quote. So as the officer took her away, she actually asked the officer, well, why do you like, why do you do this to us? Why are we being pushed around? Why are we being treated like this? And actually the police officer remembered him saying, and this is a quote from her autobiography again, I don't know, but the law's the law and you're under arrest, end quote. Now that's very interesting. So when questioned on why the police officer is being racist, essentially, he doesn't know. He's just following orders and that is a, big indictment on the system and if we take a minute to reflect things today is that the same thing like why are they i mean but i don't think it is as much these days i think these days it's more built in the fact that the police just don't do assume that black people are bad and it's horrible but even back then they didn't know why they were doing this they didn't i don't think the police clearly didn't see the point in being racist and obtuse in this regard to to these people they were just, you know, following orders, and is that right? Well, no. Is it ever going to be right? No, and the fact that um, Rosa Parks made point of this, and this police officer clearly... It begs the question, it's like, the police officers really the bad guys? I mean, I'm not going to say yes or no, because... I'm not going to paint everyone with the same brush, no matter what group they're in. Not all police officers are good, not all police officers are bad. You know, you get a mixed bag, but you get that in anything, you know. Not all teachers are good, not all teenagers are good, not all babies are good. I mean, I'm sure there's an evil baby out there somewhere, but the point is, you know, you can't paint them all with the same brush, but at the same time, it doesn't remove the naivety that this... They didn't know, and probably still don't know why they're being told to be they probably don't see the sense in it it's a case of you know good soldiers follow orders and fear i suppose that you know if you stood up against it you'd probably get thrown in jail or worse as well and fear keeps them in control in that regard and is that right well no of course not and i'm not going to pretend it is for a second it but then that's 
they're not in that's corruption from the top level and corruption that we still see today still going on and that sort of thing and it's just that quote i'm gonna read it again so in regard to why do they you know bully and oppress the the black people quote i don't know but the law's the law and you're under arrest end quote so it's just such a striking quote the fact that he's like, oh, i don't know like i don't know why we're doing this we just have to and that's that's something i think we all need to take into consideration when looking at modern events once we don't paint everyone as a villain but two we realize how far the systematic corruption goes that yeah they're just you know good soldiers follow orders and i'm not gonna go into the debate of what a good soldier is because obviously that's just I'm, I'm stealing that from star wars quite frankly but it, it's a good quote to use in this situation and yeah i uh that one really got me thinking on the, the systematic racism and how bad it is but who are the real villains and who are just brainwashed slaves as well not that everyone's a brainwashed slave i know some of them obviously will have their mal intentions as well and there are many cases in black history of the police officers not following orders and them just going out of their way to abuse black people but maybe this will make people realize that it's at the top level you got to dealing with the police curing a this is curing a symptom not the cause you've got to go up to the top if you're going to get anything done and this proves it because they're just following orders they're not the problem for the most part for the most part don't take that out of context uh moving on though on sunday december 4th 1955 uh, this is where plans for the montgomery boy bus boycott which is obviously the big thing that took place after this uh, were announced and this was passed around black churches in the area so this is obviously the movement that was kick-started by uh, her refusing to move and black people refused to use the bus and i think some white people did as well as a way of saying well this was wrong maltreatment you know this that and the other um but it was because of this and then her arrest she became sort of a martyr and an icon of the civil rights movement uh, but suffered hardships as a result and uh received numerous death threats and you know other things the usual for a martyr who stands up for a case against a corrupt group. You know how it, I mean, you get death threats for the most minute of things these days. Honestly, the amount of times I see stuff like that on social media for the most stupid, mundane of things. So, yeah, of course, she was receiving death threats, but that didn't stop her at all. However, due to economic sanctions used against activists, she actually lost her job at the department store she was working at at the time. And her husband actually quit his job after his boss forbade him to talk about his wife or the legal case. So because his, the husband was clearly quite proud of her and it's a political subject, he also was forced to quit his job uh, to make sure that politicalness wasn't brought into the workplace, which is a bit ridiculous. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, however, in 1957, Raymond Ann Rosa Parks left Montgomery for Hampton, Virginia, mostly because she was unable to find work. Uh, and everything else going on. However, it was around this time, though, that she actually started to disagree with Martin Luther King's and other leaders of the Montgomery's struggling civil rights movement. Um, obviously, they were the people who did the boycott, but this was because of different ideas of how to proceed with it, and also because of the death threats were a big thing for the falling out and why she disagreed with them. But clearly, for a lot of this, it was a, a falling out 
of difference of opinions on how things should be run and that will come into in a few seconds will come to I suppose that makes a lot more sense with something I said earlier and she later moved to Detroit after persuasion from I think it was her sister and her brother-in-law or her brother and her sister-in-law I can't remember which way round it was but it was here that she befriended a particular uh, member of the civil rights movement quite prominent one known as Malcolm X and she actually regarded him as a personal hero now this is where what I said earlier comes in that she clearly had a bit more of a physical violence streak not criminal violent but was more likely to fight physically for her rights than just a peaceful march and this is where yeah it makes more sense I suppose she would then befriend Malcolm X more than she would Martin Luther King who was definitely against the whole violence thing um, and that's very interesting because that's something I never learned about uh, when I learned about her and maybe you didn't was the fact that she was more Malcolm X side than Martin Luther King. I just always assumed that she was more King side because you hear about the boycott and this, that, and the other, and what she did on the bus. But no, she was more Malcolm X side, which is interesting. It doesn't make her a bad person by any shout, but I just found that very, very interesting. Um, but yeah, in the 1970s, we're jumping ahead a bit now, uh, Parks actually organised for the freedom of all political prisoners in the United States, particularly cases involving issues of self defence. Much like how she used to stand up for herself, she is now freeing the people who have also stood up for themselves against racist oppressors. And it was in 1992 that Parks published Rosa Parks' My Story, an autobiography aimed for younger readers to teach her story and hopefully um, not repeat some of the errors of the past. And it was on the 24th of October 2005, at the age of 92, that Parks died naturally of, uh, of natural causes in her apartment on the east side of Detroit. So that is a very, I suppose, quick overview of a very, very grand, important and widespread life. Um, and she's done a lot. You've got the autobiography you can read. And that's that, as I say, is sort of the point of this week. Having missed a lot of what opportunity I could have taken for Black History Month um, with other episodes this month, what I'm now doing is sort of beseeching asking you to go and look into to it yourself you don't necessarily have to look up the rest of Rosa Parks story and fill in the gaps that I've purposely left out um you can do anything Malcolm X Martin Luther King anything of black history I'm just sort of imploring you at the moment to go and go and look for yourself teach yourself and learn something new hopefully and educate yourself on this topic that we need to know about you know multiculturalism is a very good thing you know everything that's happened in history is how we got here and African history and black history in general is so rich and full of culture that it's vastly ignored so the point of this episode is to give you a taste of a more well-known figure in their history but to also make you think well why not I want to go and learn more and that's what I'm hoping you've got out of this week's episode and that's why it's a bit different with less substantial content I suppose um but yeah that's that's sort of the point of this week's episode so thank you so much for listening and also thank you so much for all of the support i mean currently as a recording i'm three listens off 800 since the show started which is incredible it might be at 800 by the time this episode goes up i have no idea um that's incredible so thank you so much and i'm also going to mention the sponsor for this week which as it was last week is schmerp he does brilliant work on all commissions for king's eyes life uh, he's a great guy great great content he, he makes those commissions he does are absolutely fantastic the rebranding that he has done for uh sigil arts is absolutely fantastic and he's a great guy to work with and you will get great value for money so go check him out on the king's eyes life 
website on the commission section uh, for any of your graphic design or commission needs. And I'll also plug uh, King's Eyes, King Styles Apparel, can't speak for the life of me, uh, where we do brilliant merch with the uh, Fairly Wear collection, my collection, uh, <laughs> the creators of King's Eyes, the Statement collection, the Clansman Unite collection designed by Schmerp and Edo. And of course, uh, there's now a sigil collection itself. So please do go check them out and support your favorite creators. Without further ado, thank you so much for listening, guys. I really do appreciate all the support. I appreciate you listening to this episode. And finally, I'll speak to you next week. <laughs>